Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Anything that I didn't ask you on infrastructure that you wish, or you didn't, or is there another area you want to cover that that we didn't? Well, we we didn't really talk about cloud. This is uh, right my area of responsibility, and in that we brought together kind of the on-prem infrastructure together with cloud a year ago. I know worldwide did it in IBM this year, right, to move cloud into the infrastructure business. And I mean, what? I really like, I mean, cloud is not a new infrastructure. It's just how you consume infrastructure. So um, what I what I like about cloud and, and the IBM cloud is that we are able to do more or less what other cloud providers can do as well. But in addition, we can provide access to power instances with all the benefits with Comet. We can provide unmatched levels of security, data protection, compliance, which matters a lot, right? We talked about it, such as via hyper-protect services provided by IBM Z. And we provide access to quantum computers if customers uh, want uh, through the IBM cloud. And of course, it enables us to do this whole notion around hybrid cloud with our on-prem infrastructure and all what we make available through the IBM cloud. So all the benefits, the different infrastructures, be it power, Z or storage, we can make them available via the IBM cloud without the customer having the need to have all these different type of infrastructures in their data center. So that's But I got a question on that. So, well, let me make one comment. Yeah, one reason I didn't go into cloud specifically, although we talked about it earlier, is because when I look at infrastructure, it's it's ahead of the game. It's always been part of cloud. I mean, that's just inherent to the infrastructure. Now, Now, having said that, if I'm a client and look, I understand everything you said, and I, I would probably agree with everything you said. However, let's say that I have an existing um, platform of servers, storage, blah, blah, blah. And you're, you've sold me on IBM infrastructure, but look, I've already got an existing investment. I, I can't just move. How can I integrate or what, what's your what's your proposal, Petra? You're the seller now. What's your <laughs> what's your proposal on how I can retain or even accelerate my current investment while I make a transition or bring in power servers? Well, I guess the answer is always it depends on what you have in your environment and what your cloud strategy is. And there will always be different ways to do that. But I mean, those who are a little bit familiar with where IBM is going, I mean, we have a lot of partnerships with uh, with the bigger hyperscalers as well and how we work uh, together and integrate better moving forward. And of course, one thing we haven't talked about too much yet is, is Red Hat um, being more or less, um, yeah, agnostic to the infrastructure underneath. So you could spin up your OpenShift cluster on, on power. You could spin it up in someone else's cloud, in our cloud, um, which brings in uh, yeah the uh, one of the integrations point it could be. But yeah, of course, and this is what you are said, well, you're the seller now. This is what we are facing, right? I mean, uh, customers have their strategy, but as so often the answer is hybrid and usually you pick and choose the cloud that best fits your needs. And in very few cases, it's just one vendor's cloud that fits all the needs an enterprise has. So in many cases, it's an integration and collaboration between several of them. 
That's let me my let take. me see if I could restate it. You correct the anything I say wrong. What I thought I heard you say is like, look, we'll support any cloud. We do, we do like IBM Cloud, but we'll support any cloud with our infrastructure, and we can play nicely with other areas of infrastructure with like the Kubernetes layer that'll sit on top and we behave, I think, better than anybody there. But if, you know, they should support some form of Kubernetes and with Red Hat, which we have, that allows that hybrid cloud strategy to exist and is unique. I mean, we is unique to IBM. I was going to I only paused for a second is because now we got a lot of people talking about hybrid, but we started the hybrid, you know, some time ago. So there people are starting to come on, but we we started there and we're still there. Did I say that right? Or would you add anything? I think it, in general, I agree, but as so often the evolves in the details, right? So um, you said like we can work in any cloud and with any cloud, right? I mean, it, dep it depends, right? I mean, there are a lot of providers that provide power instances in their cloud be working with even more. Uh, to integrate yeah. our power infrastructure in their cloud. Uh, but in general, yeah, if, if they work with other cloud providers and um, their integration points with the IBM cloud, we bring them closer together. So that is the integration point right there. Just like some German culture there got brought in because very technical, very <laughs> detailed, make sure we get the right answer. I like that. I like that. Anything uh, else that we missed around infrastructure? I think there's so much to talk about it, but I mean, let's face it, even quantum is IBM infrastructure. Yes. All right. Let's pivot to quantum then. Um, what, very simply, what, what does it mean to be a quantum ambassador? That's a very good question. Actually, IBM came up with this IBM quantum ambassador program to make sure own, quantum is very complex and not trivial. And, uh, technology and they want to make sure that people that talk about quantum quantum with our customers and partners have a certain level of understanding both of the technology itself and um, what the technology can do today versus what it will do in the future to not just overhype quantum which is being done um, in the press a lot right not talking about IBM quantum but just in general quantum a lot of people really hype it a lot and if you have no idea what you're talking about really can be dangerous over over committing over promising so ibm invented this program which means you have to go through a certain um education program and then do a quantum one-on-one presentation to guys that really know what that is that basically certify yes you got it at least to some degree and you can talk about quantum computing with our customers and business partners out there like you said, quantum is really the the future, or at least one avenue of the future of infrastructure. What excites you about it the most? I mean, I, I you know I could tell, especially when we met before, you were all in, and it just gets you going, right? It's like it's like when you first had that floppy disk. You're you're back there again with, with quantum. I, I I could tell. What what is it about it? I think there multiple angles to that i think one thing is that quantum computing will help to address problems that we can't adequately solve today um, even with the most powerful supercomputer and what i like about quantum i mean a lot of people ask for oh, this huge computer i mean it must 
consume tremendous amount of energy, which is not at all true. So it, it needs a fraction of energy um, to do the same work a supercomputer would do in weeks um, or months. So as I care about sustainability, this is one uh, very important aspect for me. I'm really curious how, how that portion will play out. And the other one is just, it promises to solve problems we are not able to save today at all, right? I mean, we, we, we saw what we can do with powerful supercomputers getting to a COVID-19 vaccine more quickly. And that is a space that looks very promising for, for quantum and computing as well, material science, drug discovery and so forth. So this excites me really because again, and this is one of the reasons I think why I work for IBM, that we create technology for the better and, and really have an impact, not just to maximize revenue and whatnot, which is important too, but really make this world a little bit better place for all of us. So in particular, in the healthcare space, drug discovery space, I'm really curious uh, what, what quantum will bring as we advance. What is the use case that excites you most? I mean, it's a whole use case of simulation, right? This is where material science, drug discovery, and so forth falls. And I think these two use cases really, um, besides the others that are there, excite me the most is um, the drug discovery and more customized medicine for everyone to just yeah, um, solve painful problems for people that have a certain <laughs> illness, sickness, new diseases coming up. So that excites me excites me the most yes you know um just my editorial here i uh i think one thing ibm is guilty of if i can say it is that we just don't market ourselves very well you know we we're we're almost right. too humble i think yeah and when i look at quantum i mean this stuff and we're on the bleeding edge here and it's like amazing technology and i don't think people fully grasp it i mean and, and well, again, we didn't, we're not advertising it as such. I see it, and look, I'm going to give you my my view, and I want you to beat it up. That's fair. Um, I see it really in two forms. One is just being quantum safe, and we have a a paradigm around quantum safe. Second thing is being just using quantum proper, whatever you want to call it, the technology yeah. to advance us in the in the future. Because when I let me go back to quantum safe, I'll, I'll hit both of them. In quantum safe, I mean, to me, it's multiple things here, but let's start with, or I'm only going to talk about cryptography, which at its core sounds fancy. It is, <laughs> but it's a difficult math problem based on prime factorization. All the cryptography in the world. I mean, and when you think we have cryptography everywhere, I don't think people realize that. I mean, like the reason somebody can't see your texts is because there's cryptography, phone calls, Cryptography. You can go on and on. And with quantum, I can't remember uh, who said this. It was, it was, I think, a University of Waterloo or something. Anyway, but Shor's algorithm, it's an algorithm that they predict will crack cryptography. Yep. There's a one in seven chance it's going to be broken in 2026. Yep. There's a one in two chance it's going to be broken by 2031. So pause that for a second. What I'm proud about IBM is like NIST is the National Institute of Standards. Correct. And they are looking at the consortium standards that we go with. You, you got to have standards as you have cryptography. We are three of the four finalists. And I haven't confirmed this, but the, the one that we, you know, we're three of four of the algorithms that yep. 
have made the final. I heard the fourth, we we hired that person. I'm not sure if that's true, but we'd have four or four. <laughs> I have, that wouldn't surprise I me. I heard about that. Yes. So let, let's just go three or four because I haven't verified that, you know, and I want to be very honest. But think about that. We got 200 people or plus dedicated to this security. We've already had Z16. It's it's the first quantum safe platform because we already know what the algorithms are going to use. I, I want to go on to quantum proper, but that in and of itself should get people to think. What am I going to do? How do I prepare this for the future? Do you feel, I, I got to believe you feel the same. Correct. And I mean, this is the link to, I mean, infrastructure, the classical infrastructure we, we, we talked about, right? And as you said, right, and I mentioned earlier, we create technology for the better. And quantum computing is so powerful. But as always, if you create create new technology and it gets into the wrong hands, bad things can happen. And this is exactly what you touched on, right? I mean, it promises to break um, factorization algorithm at a certain point in time. This is where cryptography is based on. So years ago, we started to work with NIST on algorithms that from today's perspective promise to be quantum safe and we're bringing them in our Z16. By the way, there was work being done with Power10 as well. We worked just a little bit early because NIST had not picked the algorithms at that point in time. So we're not supporting it to the same degree that Z16 does. But for instance, there's a crypto card that a lot of our customers use where we have these quantum safe algorithms in and that is supported both on Z and on Power. And the latest version of tape has support for for quantum safe algorithms as well. So there's a lot of work being done that people don't see today to prepare for this future technology. And that's exactly the reason why every customer should care about quantum today, even if they're not starting with quantum. But I mean, someone could just grab your crypto data today, let it sit there and wait until quantum computing is ready and read out that data. But the smart customers today start looking at these new type of uh, encryption algorithm to make that data safe. So even if they grab it today, let it sit there when quantum is yes. ready for prime time, uh, we talk about quantum advantage, the bad guys cannot read out that data, right? Yes, absolutely. Like what you said, the last part there is really profound in that I think a lot of people even look at 2026 and 2031 and say, okay, we got time. IBM is planning right now. We're we're pre- practicing what we preach in making ourselves quantum safe because of what you said, and that is bad actors. And these aren't just like people in a garage someplace anymore. I mean, these are countries that are bad actors that they'll go get the data now. If they can get the data now, they'll store it. They have time, right? They have 2026 is not yeah. that far away. And let's say, all right, if I don't have to wait 10 years, whatever, then I'll decrypt that data. And then I'll be able to get everybody's. And, and, the, and the shame of it, when you think about it, like most data in critical data isn't updated as much as it should be. In other words, I get my passport like every 10 years. So everything on the passport, if they got my data, we don't and think do about health you... data, contractual legal data. I mean, uh, there are countries that have mandates to keep data like 30 years, right? Just imagine, or a company yeah, that has all their IP somewhere, right? To destroy the business model and just, just do the same. I mean, there's so much potential. I mean, if you don't care if in the five or 10 years, Fox read out your, uh, dec- uh, your encrypted data, that's fine. But if, 
you might want to think about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're just talking about quantum safe. So if I go to quantum proper, whatever you want to call it, the opportunities, um, as you know, IBM has the largest quantum computer with it's dubbed, I think, Osprey, unless it's unless we've already changed since and I haven't read my email, <laughs> but it's like 433 qubits. Like I'm working with clients right now to do things like Marnie Carlo simulations that they could not do in the past. This is a product you can use today. I don't think a yeah. lot of the listeners in the customers know we've got 20 over 20 systems available. We have over 200. And you tell me if any of these numbers have changed, you can jump. We have over 200 partners that are part of the quantum network. And if you look, this has really been, you know, we, we've had it open to some degree since 2016. So we've had over 400,000 clients, whatever you want to call it, working or playing on quantum for some time. So we're, we're getting things figured out. So there are going to be a lot of advancements in what quantum can do, whether we talked about healthcare, we talk about finance in, in the future. And honestly, and I'm not just saying this is IBM. If you don't do quantum at IBM, do it someplace because you have got to, your competitors are going to get out in front of you because they're going to have this yeah. information. Uh, and have absolutely. And yes, you, you, you've done your homework, right? So that's true. <laughs> We have uh, 20 plus systems available by the IBM cloud, right? The smaller ones for free. So everyone can just go out there, try it out, play around with it. Of course, the more higher end systems are, are restricted uh, for, our, for our paying customers, so to speak, of, of the quantum network. And you're right, the Osprey chip, uh, the 433, is, is the biggest one uh, that we announced at the quantum summit last November. Actually, I don't think the whole system was made available yet uh, on, on our cloud, right? It takes a time from the chip to the whole system to making it available by the IBM cloud. But yeah, I agree. I mean, it's very unique what we can bring to the table from the hardware, firmware, the kernel, uh, the algorithm development. And I mean, I'm excited about to see how many enterprises start getting serious about it, setting up their quantum teams be it for research collaboration with us in material science, longer lasting batteries for self uh, for, for cars, uh, batteries that can be charged more quickly, uh, research project in the healthcare space. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really curious what what that space will bring over the next couple to several years. I'm just trying to be you. See, it maybe I'll be a quantum ambassador in the future. You never know. <laughs> yes, I mean it's just. Goal. I mean, it, it, it's just it's it's uh, it's it's hard to understand if you don't have a PhD in quantum physics, right? So when I first raised my hand and said, "Well, I want to become a quantum ambassador," first when I asked, they said, "No, you have to have a PhD in in, in physics." Uh, so I was patient. I asked again and again. I had to do a special pre-education. That's that rock. To... That rock's coming out. <laughs> And uh, now they open it up a little bit more. But what was really hard to do and to learn for me is that there are things I cannot get my head around and that I need just to accept. And that's um, what quantum mechanics brings. And that's actually a quote I usually use when I do quantum presentations to, to customers and business partners, a quote of Richard Feynman, who was a Nobel laureate in physics, who once said, if if you think you understand quantum mechanics, you do not understand quantum mechanics. And that quote I really like because it helped me to just accept 
there are things beyond me that I'm not able to yes. understand. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. So I, I got to tell you a true story. You know, I graduated electrical engineering and the, I think the hardest class I took was quantum mechanics. It was like physics three, quantum mechanics and true, absolutely true story. I shouldn't even tell this, but so I get my test back. It was the worst. I tell this to my friends all the time. I can't believe it. I think I had a 41% on this test and I'm panicking. I'm like, this is terrible. I'm, there's no way I can recover from this. And I'm flipping out. You know, I can remember I'm sitting in this big lecture hall. There's probably, I don't know, 60 people in it because, you know, they're taking quantum three or physics three quantum mechanics. And I mean, this, this is just blow your mind type of stuff. The great news is that with the curve, I got to be, so, so I was like, oh, it's okay. Forty-one <laughs> percent. It's all relative. <laughs> yeah, theory of relativity, right there at work, guys. Yes. Oh my goodness. That was Einstein. We're studying Einstein stuff. And I'm like, uh my yeah, exactly. I need to have a drink while I'm studying this stuff because <laughs> this is blow your it was blow your mind. But anyway, it's awesome. It's very cool. Very cool. Thank you for talking with me today. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. And time was flying by. <laughs> I know. We, we talked about this a long time ago. Uh, so I appreciate us finally getting it on. It's probably my fault. Getting it on the, the schedule. No problem at all. It worked out in the end. So It did. It I'm did happy. It work out. Hey, I got a couple quick uh, personal, not personal questions, but what do you got on your bookshelf right now? On your bookshelf right now? I mean, I usually read books in terms of personal development um yeah. so i'm not uh, and i usually don't read right, give books, us one but listen give us to, one. to audiobooks uh i like the book unleashed from francis Bryan and morris all right um that's a good one um i i read the ask for the why uh, from simon sinek right i mean books like that i really like to read because i mean a business is only as good as its people and i mean if i look at the role i have today i'm only able to fill this role because i've worked a lot on myself and my personal development uh, to become this rock what you said over the last several years uh, <laughs> so these are the topics i read um or better said listen to in in my spare time so it's good to know that there's somebody else out there that likes or reads uh, self-help i do a lot Although right now I'm, I'm reading The End of the World is Just Beginning. Not exactly self-help. It's, it's an interesting <laughs> book. Though. It is an interesting, it was recommended by another person on the podcast. So I, I take it. So I haven't, I don't think I've read Unleashed. I haven't read Ask for Why. Um, hey, I got two more questions for you. I have three daughters and I failed to get them into technology. <laughs> they're doing great. I mean, they're doing beyond my every expectation audiology. One is finishing up law school and a, and a pharmacist. So all great, but I failed to get them into to technology. What do we need to do? How do we create the passion with diversity to get more people interested in te technology? I think businesses do a lot. And I think it's important for businesses to reach these kids as an early age right i mean when i think back when i applied at ibm and was sitting in my application interview i mean i was saying of myself i am not the deepest tech 
techie, right? I, I just want to work in IT and whatnot. And I mean, two weeks later, I found myself in this mainframe development department <laughs> using green screen. So I think the problem with girls in school very often is that being a techie is not necessarily something positive. And I'm when I walked around in the town where I studied and someone asked, what are you studying? And I said, business and informatics. Oh, that's not what you look like. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, so I think still there's a notion of technology and people working that are geeks. And most of the times they're masculine geeks. And I think the schools and universities would need to, to, to change a lot. I, one one story two two years ago i was sitting with a colleague and she was uh telling me she she registered her daughter for the informatics um um course that an optional informatics course and five days later the the teacher called and said well do you really want to put your daughter in there she's the only girl and my colleague was jeez what is that i mean the right <laughs> yeah, reaction would have been let's find some other girls yes, to join her exactly Exactly. Oh, I think that, is, that I, is my answer. Well, you know, I, I'm with you on that. It's like in, in high school, that those are the nerds. But then the nerds rule the world after high school. That's that's the beauty of it. Like I was with, I was like at a, a reunion or something, and somebody said, uh, "Weren't we the? We were hot stuff in high school." They were talking about themselves, and I said, "Yeah, you had three years. I hope I have 70. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's the reality of it. it. Look at the companies that rule the world. That's somehow, you're absolutely right. It's got to start early. Although I started with my kids early and I think, you know, the problem is you can't have your dad telling you that. You got to have others like educators telling that because if I tell that, then it's like, oh, just dad. And you need to you know. tell, I have other girls, right? And that is really yes. what I liked about Jimmy Rometty, what she, she always used to say, right? What you can't see, you can't be. And I agree. I mean, if you, and if I'm at a conference and they are only, and this is, is not meant the wrong way, but like elderly, white-haired guys, should you think that you might play a significant role in that organization or whatnot? So I think it's important for for companies and that's being done more and more. But I mean, recently there was a post actually of a company publishing, hey, these are our new IBM champions. My sister was pinging me, man, man, only men on there. Don't they have a woman that's worth becoming a champion? And yeah. I was like, yeah, she's damn right. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. That's why I ask. And I refer to it internally at IBM of building a diversity pipeline. It's not yeah. about having a diversity pipeline. You got to build it and you got to start. Correct. So it's just continue. That's, that's what we need to, everybody, all companies need to work on. What do you do for fun, Petra? What I do for fun, I mean, I like nature, I like animals, uh, I like sports. So I go for a run every other day if, if, if the time allows uh, during lunch break or so, just in the fields, empty my brain. <laughs> um, I get so that's it. I what I too. like to do. Why so every other day? Why not every day? Because every day is, is too often. <laughs> every, <laughs> I'm with you, actually. Every other day is a good... I mean, sometimes it's not every other day, but like every third day. I mean, it depends, right, on, on business schedule and other things. But what I try to do, if I don't have a cold or other things, I try to go every other day. <laughs> but I think that's... Look, I do... I, I joke, but I do cardio a day and then I do like weights a day. My rule, I, I've got to have 30 minutes every day and 
you know you're, you're going to miss some from time to time. Uh, but my rule is I don't miss twice. So that way I always stay on it. That's the one habit that, that you got to make it a habit. So that's what I've, I've tried Correct. to do. And my brain needs it and my body needs it. So that's if exactly I can't right. go for a week or two for whatever reasons, I really think, oh. Yes. <laughs> I, and it makes you, for me, I do it first thing in the morning. And I am not a morning person. But I do it first thing in the morning because it makes me feel like I'm getting something done. The rest of the day, I know I've I've, I've gotten something done. I did my workout. No matter how the day goes, it's like and you're I, refreshed I finished after one. Yes, usually you're more awake after um, than before. That's my coffee because right? I just quit coffee too. I'm trying to kill myself. I think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you. This has been awesome. Uh, you're very personable. I love your passion. You've got great energy. You are a, a woman in technology, a spokesman for women in technology. You're what you. uh, girls should aspire to be. Awesome. Thank you for that. Thank Continue to so be that much. rock. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. All right. We'll, we'll talk to you next time. And, and listeners, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please hit us on Al Martin Talks Data at any time. We like to get back to you. We like to get the people on that you'd like to be on. Until next time, we'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye. See you guys.